Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Here we are on um, Monday afternoon trying to uh, be efficient, as they said, at the end of the week, Mir Hashem will be away. So I'd like as much as possible today and tomorrow to do all the uh, podcasts. And thanks to Gluck Plumbing and Lakewood, our friends, uh, among the best friends of the podcast that we're going to, who's sponsoring this. So I want to take a look at the after right now. Thank you all very much. As I think everybody knows, or maybe you'll remember, the after this week is the very beginning of Book of Malachim. And the intrigue surrounding the dying King David and Abishag Hashunamis, and especially who's going to take over afterwards. Will it be Shlomo, or will it be Adoniyahu? Uh, on the face of it, I mean, we all know that. On the face of it, uh, it seems like simply a question of intrigue, which you always have in your Oriental monarchies when you have polygamy, and therefore there are different kings and princes, and you know it, it's not clear who do you call exactly the oldest, and anyway, David had issues with the oldest. You know, first it was Amnon, that didn't work out. Absalom certainly didn't work out. He had other sons. And the number one problem with any monarchy is the succession, meaning just because the father's smart doesn't mean the son is. This is why they have, as I always say, trust funds and things like that. The father might be a genius in business, and the son the opposite, right? We see it all the time. Shlomo Melch himself talks about it in Kohelis. So... It's part of life. Consequently, if you're talking about your own financial planning, so you talk to your financial planner and all that stuff. But if you're talking about a malucha, it's not so posh it. Because then politics gets involved and maybe wars. Many wars in history have been fought between two contenders, each one claiming to be the correct and proper heir to the previous king. You see? I mean, many of those wars. When you boil down to it, it's just a question, who's going to win, this guy or that guy? You're not going to win. They are. Remember the famous statement that Chazal put in the mouth of the wife of Om Ben Peles? She says, either way, you're going to be a schlepper. Either Moshe will be on top or Karch will be on top, but you won't. So what are you t- you know, putting yourself out for? This is always the way it goes in politics. The whole point is to get your team he- heated up and excited about it. But at the end of the day, it's very self-centered. Words, you, get, you want them to get excited about you. You understand? You should put yourself out. Why are people like that? People are like that. I always say, is it true that there are people who contributed money to the election campaign of Donald Trump, even though it can buy and sell most people listening to this? Why would I want to help a billionaire? Besides, let's say I like him. That's not the point. Let's say you like him. Why do you want to give him money? You understand? What, you, want, you don't want to spend his own money? Or John F. Kennedy, or all these you know millionaires that run for president. And so, I know you probably can't even run for president if you're not a millionaire. So why are you giving them money? You understand? But the answer is people get heated up in it. Isaiah Gaitas. All right? Isaiah Gaitas. <clears throat> so we have David Amalek. He was capable of being king. But who's going to be next? Now, apparently he didn't make it clear. It's not 100% clear to me why he didn't make it clear, as I'll explain in a second. But we have, <clears throat> uh, in my opinion, it's all I ever have, you know, underneath the text, 
lies a, a, a great tension, which is not explicitly stated in the Book of Kings by whoever composed the Book of Kings. And the statement obviously has to go, do with Shlomo, and with Bathsheba, the mother of Shlomo, and with the whole nature of the famous affair between David and Bathsheba, or was it an affair? It's Gufa Devort. In other words, Shlomo, uh, David is old. In the latter part of his life came the situation with Bathsheba. Just take, I mean, you can figure out yourself if Shlomo was 12 at the time the father died, that means Shlomo was born when David was, David was 70. So Shlomo was born when David was 58. And give it a year for, you know, for pregnant and so forth. And then there was an earlier baby. So David was, I don't know, 55, 56, something like that at the time he met Bathsheba and so on and so forth. Because if you remember the story, the first baby died. Uh, Shlomo was the second. So this was the scandal of the time of David. Regardless of what you say in the Gemara, the fact is that the public uh, didn't buy it. David says so. Rabbi Momrim Lo Ain't Lo Yeshua Look at the third capital Tilim and look at Rashi and those guys over there. Rabbi Momrim, everybody's saying, I'm getting now what's coming to me. When his own son, Alshalom, rose in rebellion against him. And it seems that at least 90%, if not much more, of the Jewish people side with the son over the father. And that's not natural. Do you want to support the son who wants to kill the father? That's not normal. Um, the only explanation is that the public was convinced that David's a big av- Avaryan. I, the people who spread those rumors themselves, were Avaryan. That's how rumors work. You know, the public is silly putty. I'll prove it to you. The Gansevelt is marching now in favor of Amalek because of the internet and TikTok and all the other junk. It's the easiest thing in the world to manipulate these fools. You understand? Know fools. Matter of fact, there was somebody in the 19th century, I forget, maybe it was Engels the Marxist who said anti-Semitism is the socialism of fools. He's right, of idiots. Besides the merits of it, the fact that a regular person in college is marching against Israel, that's they're just stupid. You know, besides that. If you're an Arab, I get it. If you're an American, it's just stupid. Especially if you're a Jewish, but whatever. So, we have a situation where David got involved, as we all know the story with Basheva. Uh, the story is that next thing you know, she was expecting. Next thing you know, David tries to hide this by bringing the husband back from the battlefield, Uriah. So it'll look like that nine months from now, when the baby's born, it will seem to be Uriah's. That's its own problem. I'm leaving that alone. Uh, and as we all know, Uriah didn't get the message, meaning he didn't do it. And so David had to get him bumped off. And he told him to go on the front line of battle, and get and and where it was dangerous, and Itaka got killed. It was if you remember the story, he didn't exactly get killed exactly that way, but he did get killed in what I would say would be, roughly speaking, you know, front line combat sort of situation. It was a little bit different. That's what it boiled down to. And David then got away with it. Says meaning, as far as the public is concerned, he's just another casualty, as we would say today in the Gaza War. You know, Uriachiti, who was one of his giborim, by the way. And it's in the, you know, there's a list of the Gibori David at the end of Shmuel Bay somewhere. And um, uh, and he got away with it. Hold on. Here it is in Shmuel Bay's, the end of chapter 11. And it said that, you know, uh, the husband got killed in battle. Uh, and 
Vayavar Evo, as soon as she fit, finished sitting Shiva, he immediately married her. That's a problem of Arshim had with the 90 day rule, but whatever. Havchana, Vatid Lobain, and so on and so forth. So he got totally away with it. But the Pasuk ends. Right? No, there's Hashem, no, obviously. And for some reason, you know, David didn't have this in his cheshman, however you want to explain it. So the bottom line is, it seems like a case where um, the first baby was uh, uh, should be a mamzer. Now, the story goes on to say that David was outed, I think you know the story, by Nason, Nathan the prophet, who plays such a big role in her Torah today. That's where I'm going with this. So, right? So, Vayishlach Hashem as Nason and David, and he set him up. And he says, what, you know, there was a rich man and a poor man, and the rich man messed over the poor man, and David said, kill the rich man, and, and so on and so forth. And when David set it up that way, you were the man who, who the rich man who messed up the poor man. In other words, you were the king of Israel with all these money and wives, and you took away the wife of one man. And now, right? So. No, it's Hashem, so I guess, I know what's going on. You say he fell on the front lines. I know you put him there. You told Yov to put him in a dangerous spot, etc., etc. So, also, the enemy killed him, but they were like your shliach, so to speak. By the way, that's the source, if I remember correctly, the second pair of condition that the uh, Shammai holds that the shliach legayim. You know, shliach is lakim. Because, also, rock the b'cherbeneyaman. But whatever the case is, without going into that, so Uriah, I'm sorry, Nason was is the guy who who publicly ex- exposed him and humiliated him. And David says, "You got me, Chatasi," and so on and so forth. And you know, David confessed. So far, we know the story. So the guy who outed him was Nason Hanavi, and Nason didn't do it at his own. I mean, he wasn't uh, like a sadist or something like this. Hashem told him. I mean, I want to be clear about this. Nason was not a bad person, you know. Uh, it's it's that uh, you know it says Vayishlach Hashem it's not it's not I'll do it. So if you're a navi and Hashem said go tell him, you out him. Nobody else is going to out him, so you will. Now wait a second. So David says Chatosi, and if you read Tehillim, he you know in in capital fifty one he really uh, repented, and so on and so forth. But he didn't get rid of her. That's the point. He didn't say Oi, Echolabavi Echolabal. I can't stay with Bashava. Instead, uh, what happened was, first of all, he's publicly humiliated. He was outed, as they say before. And the Gemara has all kinds of stories. You know, Doug went to the base medrash, and people say, hey, what's the innovation? You know, all this kind of stuff. Is it Kenek uh, or Sreif or something like that? You know, so, you know, Yeshiva guys, they can't help it. If a guy gets uh, caught in public, you know, they're going to shtuch him. Even David Amel. That's in the Gemara, not me. And anyway, and then it, Hashem says, I'll forgive you, but, and the but means lo sasa chem right? That the sword will not depart from your house. From now on, your life is going to be a hell. And then we have Amnon and Tumber incident, and then uh, Avshalom incident, and then Shav ben Berchi incident. So David's life turns into a hell. I won't go into all that. I'm simply pointing out that the guy that launched the whole 
public humiliation was Nasan Hanavi. Okay? So even though um, it says your sin is forgiven, but that doesn't mean you won't be punished. Because forgiveness of sin is not identical with with uh, saving from punishment. Is that clear? Forgiveness of sin is usually the result of being punished. But whatever. Now they had a child, and the child died. So, so to speak, that ended that particular problem. Because if a child is born illegitimately as a mamzer, as the Mishnah calls it, you know, what are you going to do? It's The damage is done. It's irreparable. In this case, in terms of public humiliation, all the rest of it, the kid died, so far, so good. At that point, one would think that David and Basha would be through. And, you know... Either he would send her away, get divorced, or something like that. No, that's the end of Parsha Bashava. And we would simply have a moral tale in the Bible that if you give in to this Yetzirah, that Yetzirah, there are consequences. That would be a great story. However, it's more complicated than that, right? It's more complicated than that. Because the fact of the matter is, he felt bad that the baby died, but she felt worse. And he said very famously, Ani there's no point in me mourning anymore. I'm going to him, he's not going to me. No, he's dead, and one day I will be. He's not coming back alive. And he comforted Basheva. So she was all sabrachim from the death of the baby. And David didn't say, as you would expect, we deserve this. The wages of sin or death. We never should have got, our, our relationship wasn't a very from day one. Let's learn a Musar Haskell from this. And let's go Viter. I'll go my way, you go your way. That's the way the story should have been written. If there would be a negative story about any biblical figure whatsoever. But it says instead, that they had a second baby. They stayed married and had a second baby. And that's, of course, Shlomo, who's the object of all the controversy in our Haftorah. Now listen closely, right? Okay? So that's very, very interesting. Okay? I mean, what does it say over here? That Hashem uh, sent Nosan Anavi to tell him, right, that, uh, yeah, here it is. I'll read the pasuk exactly. Hashem liked him. In other words, Hashem indicated through um, the prophet, through Nathan, that Hashem approved of this second baby, not like the first, which seemed who perished. But this one's okay. And as a result, they called him Yedidya, Yedid Hashem. That's the name of Shlomo. So, why would Hashem like the second baby? Notice, if anything, the whole thing is mamish embarrassing. You know, the, where'd you guys meet? I mean, who was the Shachan? Well, it wasn't the Shachan, it was a war, and I met her on the roof. I mean, you know, the whole thing was kind of, whole relationship is a very uh, controversial one. And they have a second child, and this child Hashem Ehavo, 
Ad Kedekach, that, you know, he's going to become next king. Now we lead into our Haftorah. A few years go by, not that many. David is old, we know he's going to die at 70, so the story takes place when he's 69 years old. According to our tradition, he died on his birthday, on his 70th birthday. And so, we have the question of who's going to be next. The story I just read you is from Book of Shemuel, which obviously reflects the pro-Shlomo party. But you can be doggone sure that there are many others who are not macabre this version of the facts and said the opposite. There was Mamash Zenus, and Shlomo also is not exactly a monster because the Uri was dead, but certainly a pogum. You know what I'm saying? Certainly disgraceful. So my point is, if you were a regular person out there, and it's 12 years later, at the time of our Haftorah, and the question's becoming, David is old, and he's sinking fast. Who's going to be the next king? Shlomo is, like I said before, semi-illegitimate, you know, so to speak. Why would you want him? Especially so young. This is why, obviously, Adoniyahu does not include Nason and certainly Basheva in his plans, meaning when he gathers his uh, supporters and they throw that party, it's like a pre-inaugural party. He's wait, you know, he can hardly wait to get on the throne. And he had people like Yoav there and Evyasar. So he had substantial people over there. And if you go like Hazal, Yoav and Evyasar were tzaddikim. Evyasar was Kongadol. Yoav was a general, as we all know. And other people like that. So in other words, it means, at least seems to me, that they all said this whole Bathsheba business stinks to high heaven from, from day one. And this Shlomo, I don't know, it's Echel above Echel above. shouldn't even stay married to her. He just won't listen to us. What was the sole legitimating factor of this young kid, Solomon, Shlomo? The one legitimating factor was that a genuine prophet named Nason, who was a real Navi, as everybody knew, said, Hashem is okay with this guy. Hashem Ehavo, and we're calling him Yedidya, knows Rabboni Shalom, for whatever strange reason, is okay with this marriage and with this child. This, my friends, is the reason, the reason, why the Chazal have the whole business that there must have been a get Muhammad, and it can't be that Stamazoi, David was involved with a married woman, and, you know, moved on, and get over it and that sort of thing. Because whereas people are people and anything's possible in terms of personal chemistry, that is a fact. As we, we all know, the greatest of the Chazal used to say, you know, um, what do you call it? You know, uh, don't trust me when it comes to Arias. Uh Even though it's hard to imagine. The Rambam said in Hilchus, I mean, it's in the Gemara, and Rambam says very famously, the end of Hilchus Kedusha, uh, you know, Kedusha. It's a Rabia, right? The, uh, how's he put over here? In Eil Chadav Rechol Toshu Kasha, L'Rov Ha'am Lifra Shalom and Arayas Abiyas Asuras. Right? That's the way it is. And, uh, even though Dov is not Rov Ha'am, but nevertheless, he says, 
Roy Lodom Lochov, this Ram at the end of Holos Yisurbiya. Roy Lodom Lochov Yitzro Bedover Se Ola Hargil Asim Bekadushi Yisera Machshavat Tahora Avdei Nechona. Right, Vizor Min Ayichud to Agur Magadol Gedolei Chacham Ayomrim LaTalmidim Hizorim Nei Biti Nei Kalosi Kedei Lalami Talmidim Shleis Baishu Midover Zevi Yisrachu Min Ayichud. That even the greatest of the Gedolim, either as an abject lesson or because it was real, said, you know, make sure I'm not alone in the room. Even with my own daughter, and even with my own, you know, close relative. So when it comes to these things, anything's possible. So when they say that it couldn't be that David Melch, as great as a tzaddik as he was, could ever get involved in some kind of situation with Bathsheba, many people think it's because of uh, art school reasons. How can you imagine a Godel Ador, Ruch Kodesh, couldn't get involved with Eishasish? But that's not true. That's baloney, actually. The reason they say it is because the Pusik tells you that Nason said, and Nason was a real prophet, that Hashem told me to tell you, Hashem Ehavo, that Hashem likes this second child, which therefore means God approves of your marriage to Hashemah now. The way you originally met was not good, and that was wrong, but the way you are now is okay. If not for the fact that he had a real Navi called Nason saying that, and he had, obviously, an unimpeachable reputation, people would say baloney. As a matter of fact, anybody that didn't like Shlomo and wanted a different plan or found it too hard to believe even if Nason says it, those were the guys behind, um, what do you call it, the other guy, Adoni Yoho. You understand? I mean, Yoav was a, a great man. Evyasser was a great man, and there were other Chachamim and stuff like that that were there. You can totally hear, now it would be on the blogs, you know what I mean? Now it be on the internet. This one time is the dove was right, that one time the dove is wrong. It's only because of Nasan. So, the entire legitimacy. And by the way, how can it be that Nasan said it's okay? I mean, how is that possible? Muslim Zagin, they call Yotze, L'chayos, based on it, get creases because of the show. There was a get, she was divorced, either conditionally or unconditionally, you know. You all know that stuff, right? Rashi says it was a get out tonight. Tosa says it was a get bleed tonight. Whatever the case is, when 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 push comes to shove, and when you get down to actual halachic facts, not, you know, opinions, but facts, there never was a Misa of Isr Bia Imeshitzish. Hoover Dorla Mafrey at least. Because if you say there was a get out tonight, by the time the husband was killed, the war was over, and the get was, uh, you know, Chal um, retroactively. So, however you work it out, the bottom line is that in point of actual fact, Dove did not commit any kind of formal sin. Now, morally, it was a sin, of course. And that's what he says in the Tehillim. Uh, it was a big sin. But if you're talking me how logically, right, you want to get down to Lamaisa, Lamaisa. So, you know, there wasn't. How do I know that? That's a fine line to walk. If I told you about me or you or somebody else, well, it was all my friend, it was a tonight, and this is how you say baloney, you know, you did it. Own up to it. The answer is, because Nason was a Novi, and Nason said that Hashem told him that. So the entire legitimacy of the, of the Solomonic uh, succession is based on Nason. And... Don't be surprised if Nelson and Basheva 
plays a major role in the Haftar this week. Ad Kenekach, that Nelson says, let's do a whole shtick, and you go in and talk to the king, and then I'll walk in like sort of nonchalantly, and I'll back you up, and all this sort of thing. No, they engage in an intrigue around the dying David, but it works. And the reason they did it is because, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'll give you a, uh, what's the right word? The Gashmistic reason, and then I'll give you a Rukhnis reason. Gashmis wise, if Adoniel comes to power, he'll kill him. That's what you do in those countries. And anyway, what's the claim, the legitimacy argument of supporting Adoniel? I mean, the king did not appoint him, right? So how did you do this? The answer is you give a firm argument. You say, Rebosai, who should be king? Me or Shlomo? Shlomo is, like, if not exactly a mamzer, he borders on it. And Basheb was an anxious each when they met my father. And the whole business is ugly. Remember, the whole country supported Avshalom based on that charge. As Rashi says, Rabbi Mumrilo, Lo Yeshua, himself. Look it up. So, from the, from the you know, Gashmi's uh, point of view, if the wrong team wins, we get killed. Which was true. So, in other words, they won that, you know, victory. But if you do the other way around, uh, not the other way around, if you look at it from a Ruchniistic point of view, I mean, Nelson basically said like this, either I'm a liar or I'm not. If they're going to go and put in a Donio, it means they don't believe what I said in the name of Hashem. I'm not a liar. Hashem told me this. If Hashem told me this, that is the Ratzon of the Rabbani Shalom. Then that means that's what we got to do. And therefore we have to do whatever it takes, including intrigue, if that's what the situation requires, to make sure that this Shlomo guy, whatever the circumstances of his background and his mother and all the rest of it, that this Shlomo becomes the next king, because that's what Hashem told me. It is a little strange, no question about it. And especially if you hold, you know, like they say, like uh, like Rashi, you know, understand this well. At the time, David met her and had beer with her. She was still married to Uriah. The get was already issued all tonight. But tonight is not Chal except Lamafreya if if the husband gets killed or does or at least doesn't come back from the war. Couldn't be if he gets killed, simply because Aina Mason Miskarshim, but nevertheless, if he doesn't come back from the war, Lamafreya retroactively it'll be Chal. So at the moment David did it, she was in Ashish. By the time it was over, he made sure to arrange matters in such a way, however controversially, that Hoover de Lamafreya at the time he did it. She was not an Ashish. But at the time he did, it was an Ashish. So, in the famous words of the Maral, suppose I gave you uh, a salami sandwich, but I told you it's actually a treif salami. It's like a ham sandwich. And you say, I don't care, I'm going to eat it anyway. And you do eat it. And then after it's over, I say, Well, I guess I lied. It was actually a kosher sandwich. Did you do a sin? Mitzvah, you did a sin. Agreed? You didn't care. Mitzir Chal, you did a sin, but you didn't do a sin. That's the whole moral. Look it up in that book he has. So what's it called? Um, hey, where he explains the Agadites, uh the, the, the wells of exile, uh, Be'er, something. Be'er Agola. That's it. He has a whole chapter on this. So what's really going on in our Haftorah has a tremendous background. Nasan, his whole Nemonis, 
and it is a stretch, is based on the idea that however Dovin and Bathsheba met, the bottom line is they're, number one, allowed to be married, so it had to be some kind of a get situation. She wasn't Isha Sish. Otherwise, it'd be Echad Labal, be Echad Labal, Isha Shazonso. So she's not an Isha Shazonso. Al Din. And second of all, the fruit of that union, or at least the second of that, which is Shlomo, the first baby died. Shlomo is not only legitimate, but he's God's beloved. That's a heck of a statement. And and God wants him to be the successor of King David, even though he's only 12 years old. If you and I were there at that time, what would we say? I guess if you're real from it, you'd say, listen, you know, the big rabbi, the big tzaddik said it, okay. But a lot of people would say, I don't know. You know I don't know. It's, it's, it's a little hard to believe. Those who held, it's hard to believe. That's the team of Adoniyahu. Those who were the true blue, and we don't know who they were, that's the Nason and, and Bathsheba side. So um, it was a close call. And it wasn't simply that one was intriguing for itself and the other one intriguing for that self. The different intrigues and the support of the different candidates that you find in Daftar today represent two entirely different schools of thought of how to view the grand and metaphysical, metahistorical uh, elements of the David and Bathsheba relationship which we believe, however it took, uh, granted it took place in a weird way, the David-Bathsheba relationship is the foundation of the Mashiach. Because the Rambam says, if you look in the Geras we believe, listen closely, that the Mashiach is going to be descended from David through Shlomo. Right? Through Shlomo. Why can't it be from David from someone else? I don't know, I'm not the Rambam, but I'll tell you again. He says, we believe... It's Mashiach ben David and also Mashiach ben Shlomo. That's strange. So the greatest person in Mashiach is going to be from a relationship and a marriage, which you have to learn a whole bunch of lumdas in the Gemara Shabbos to figure out Kolom or David Chotein Olatoa. So you can totally hear that people were, you know, um, murmuring back and forth. And when David says, I am. Uh, you know, uh, backing Shlomo, and he does. In the next chapter, he puts Shlomo on the throne. People must have said, well, I guess, you know, I guess even though I wouldn't have thought so, I guess that, uh, you know, Shlomo was the real thing. I guess Nelson knew what he's talking about. So it turns out it's a confirmation of the Nevoa of Nelson Anavi. Anyway, once again, thanks very much to Glock Plumbing for stepping up as they always have. And uh, as I say, and I wish everybody a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.